This is Rated Raw with Alex Evers and Jamie Price. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Rated Raw with legendary automotive photographer Jamie Price. Fresh off the Daytona 24-hour event. I got tired just watching him on Instagram. (laughs) I was tired of me, too. What's up, Alex? What's up, man? You know, I've just been taking pictures of horses. What else is new? Over in Asia, though, that's something different. It's definitely different. It's How's the it's... weather in Hong Kong this time of year? Hey, the weather was much better than it was at uh, where I was supposed to be in Florida, that's for sure. Well, it was nice. It was 60, 65 degrees, nice and sunny, light, puffy clouds for the big race, and then beautiful light just poured in. It was really oh nice. God. Don't even I didn't... talk to me about that crap. It was so, it was it was cold and rained for ten of the twenty four hours during the race. It was awful. A global warming doesn't exist, though. Apparently not. Nope. You good though? What are we drinking today? I'm good. Hey, let's open these beers first of all. Oh, yeah. That sounded nice. I'm drinking a Pizza Port Chronic from San Diego, and we go down to Pizza Port and have beers and pizza at least once a summer during the Del Mar race meet. So it's kind of local, local to my life. What do you got there, bud? This is uh, Unknown Brewing pregame. It's a Pilsner. Um, it's nice. It's not bad. That's a, You always have the best-looking cans, man. We do it right in Charlotte. Charlotte's gotten a really cool, like – arts and crafts and culture scene and with that has come some really cool craft breweries like it's exploded like really truly exploded in the last i don't know five years it's been really cool to watch it grow i'm geography ignorant how close to Asheville are you that hit place uh we're about two and a half maybe maybe not even no two hours it's pretty close i love Asheville. i go up fishing up there all the time so hipster gentrification hasn't cruised down to you yet no, no, it hasn't. Charlotte's still pretty redneck, and you don't have to go far outside the city to be like proper redneck. Don't worry, I'll come live with you. I'll bring the hipster value of North Carolina up exponentially. Yeah, you would. Look at those shades and that hair. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, so dude, when I was on the flight, like thirteen hours coming back, it's it's a lot, and you're sitting there, and I was I didn't get the fortunateness of having the three seats where I could just lay out and go to sleep, and I've spoiled myself with that because I had it on the way there. And so I start looking at social media and these ads pop up for these like photography masterclasses. And it was a wedding photographer selling like improve your photography skills and take your social media photography to the next level. So I click on it because I love clicking on these things to make these people pay for my CPM because I'm like, you're not going to get anything out of me. So it's, it's great. I'll click on it five times. And then I actually look at it and it takes me to the page and it's like about us. And like every photo on their page is one and a third stops overexposed. Like it's just, first of all, learn how to expose pictures. I get down <laughs> into the, the quote unquote, the gear we use. And this is where I lost it. So the photography was terrible and I wouldn't want to learn anything from this group. And I'm not going to name names because I can't even remember who it was, but it's not the point. They list down to the gear. It's like Canon 5D Mark IV. Canon 50 millimeter 1.2 Canon 8514 then you scroll down it's the hoods they're listing like the hood that comes with the lens as the gear and it's just trying to be like look at me I have all this gear I'm so professional listen to me yet you look at their work and they couldn't expose a picture to save their life yeah man and I'm fired I mean, that's, up man that's kind of that's kind of photography though because 
it's it's got that weird side like I don't know. I don't know the word for it, but you have this subculture of people that are just into gear. It's it's actually very similar to car people in that you have somebody that loves cars but has no clue about cars. They just they just like want to talk like the latest BMW, Porsche and like the innards and gizmos in it and you know it has this that and the other and it doesn't make you a better driver. Like it doesn't make you a better photographer having the best lens hoods or the best polarizer or even the best lens. Like it, I, I get it all the time too, where people just, they gear is a crutch for a lot of these people that it doesn't make you a better photographer owning this stuff. If you don't know how to use it. It's, it's wild. Cause I like, I like my beer league hockey and I like my gear and I'm like a gearhead from like a little kid. Like you want to wear the gear, the pros are wearing this at the other. So I get into like the, the gear photography industry. Like I'm working for a company that makes sticks, gloves, protective. And so we're photographing all that stuff and I get my gear and I've got like my pants, my custom gloves, my sticks that are like all made for me, the ever spec, all whippy and it's dope. Let me tell you what, dude, it doesn't make me better. I don't score goals because I got a cool stick. I barely score goals at all now, dude. I'm washed, but Hey, I look dope. I feel good. It's, it's whatever you you feel good. You have confidence. I can understand that if you feel like certain gear, Mentally gives you a leg up. It's like steroids. Like it might not really give you a leg up, but ultimately like gear is not a crutch. And I think that's the point of this is don't let the camera gear be the reason you can't make pictures or the reason you say you can't make pictures. Like yesterday I went out and shot that horse race and I shot with a $400 Sony RXO, this little thing. The picture looked pretty cool, man. I'll it be honest, dusted, I it. it dusted my 1DX and the 50 millimeter Canon STM. And I'm just doing things to play around and try stuff out. But absolutely not a crutch. Like, it's not expensive. But, it's not, it's just knowing the tools that you have. And yes. they're like clubs in a golf bag. Whatever yes. the tools in your camera bag are, you got to look at it that way. Tiger Woods is still going to be able to kick your ass with the worst clubs that can be thrown at him on any day. So. You know, knowing knowing the equipment and knowing how to use whatever you've got in front of you is really the best thing because, I, I don't know, like, photography magazines have kind of lost me because it's, it's all, like the podcast scene, it's all regurgitated material that isn't really that new and then they do a, a review of the new lens and they have, like, the sharpness on a point scale and, you know, the, the Sigma beat out the Tamron versus the Canon and the Nikon versions of like the 135 by 0.0063 sharpness. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> what does it mean? And how is it applicable? Because unless you're blowing it up to a billboard, you're never going to see it. Like, let's be honest. Most of the work that people are putting up these days is going to go on like an eight by 10 print max or Instagram. And when, when something's not sharp, we call it Instagram sharp. And I'm, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody else is, but you know, it gear is not a crutch. Like don't rely on it to, to make, to pretend that you're a better photographer. So let me ask you, because when I started out and like when I bought gear, I realized early, early on that like gear depreciates very fast. It's like a car. Like when you drive that thing off the lot, your $50,000 Beamer is now worth 48. And then the next day it's worth 47. And then you hit a pothole and it's worth 40 and your wife scratches the hood and it's worth, you know, whatever it is. Right. I, I, 
that's not me. I don't know a guy like that or anything, but yeah, whatever. Should, should I pull out one of my camera lenses to show you how beat up it is? Holy yes. crap. Hey, you grab one and I'll grab one after you get yours. I'll, I'll chat through this while you, while you dig that up. All right. You continue. I mean, I've used some beater gear in my life too. Like I didn't have that connection with Canon forever. So like I was using Nikon manual focus lenses with like $8 Chinese Canon adapters to get them to fit a Canon body because I couldn't afford to go out and buy a 16 to 30. What is that? That's my 500. Look how abused this thing is. This is, that's the five and the 70 to 200 is just completely like scratched, beat up. I mean, the lens is good mostly. No, it's not. That's, that's 24 hours of rain and shit, but Clean your yeah, gear, like, dude. I mean, I, I, I abuse these things, but you know what? They keep working generally. And, well, um, they're tools. They are tools. So, so, yes, I agree with you that they depreciate as soon as you drive it off a lot, especially with camera bodies. Holy crap. Those, oh, yeah. Those I depreciate, never... but lenses, lenses less so. I mean, my lenses are still pretty good, generally speaking. This year is the first time in my 14 year career that I've bought a brand new camera. I've never owned a brand new camera ever. Never once has one that I've owned been like fresh out of the box, never been touched before. It was cool. Like I felt, I felt awesome, but like, fuck, I don't need it. Like why, why are you spending that? Like you can get the same camera for $2,000 cheaper and then you can put that $2,000 to a lens or like to your social media marketing or like a million other things. So one of my, one of my D fives was owned by, um, legendary NFL photographer Rod Marr who shoots for the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. I, even though I hate the Seahawks. But, He's killer. Uh, He's such a good photographer. Rod, Rod is a, an amazing photographer and an icon ambassador, and I'm honored to be shooting on, on one of his D5s that he had, um, and he sold it to me. That's pretty rad. Hey, so when I started, I skimmed and like bought the lowest, craziest gear. Like I, My 400 that I shot... Up until July of this year, Delmar was the old 400 non-IS 2.8. It weighed like 40 pounds. It had so much lead in the glass. I probably have cancer from all the lead that I carried around in that glass. <laughs> but it comes. It, it comes with old. asbestos. <laughs> it was old. I saved up like $3,900 to get this thing back in the day. Like maxed out what I you know. But I got the 400 to make my 300. Then my remote lens. I'd pull my 300 up, but it's inside and it's a disaster. This thing is so beat up. But I use this old gear forever. Like the majority of the pictures you see on my Instagram is not made with new modern gear. Now in the last well, like six months, yes, it is. But. One of my one of my very good friends, Camden Thrasher, who's a, a motorsport and automotive photographer, he he makes images. A, he's probably the best photographer I've ever seen shoot anything on a cell phone. So, and he's like the guy that I'll use as an example when people are like, "Oh, I wish I had that gear to like shoot that picture." And he's he's like holding a polarizer up to his cell phone and doing like slow pans with his cell phone. Get it's out crazy. Of here. Yeah, he's he's crazy, but. He, he can shoot stuff that, like, he's out shooting 98% of the world on his iPhone, and it's just because he has the eye for it, and he knows how to use 
a camera because it's basically just a fixed camera. I don't know. It's like a what twenty four mil. Yeah, it's um, a twenty four. It's a twenty four mil, and then you're just modifying how much light's coming in, and you can play right. with the flare. So he's and... he's just amazing in that sense. But he also shoots his like pro stuff. I mean, I think he's shooting like a D three S and a D four maybe. Like, I mean, he's he's on some old Nikon equipment at this point. That's probably six six to seven years old and an old 500 i mean he's he's the perfect example that you don't need the latest and greatest gear but i got an i got a message the other day on instagram from somebody and i won't i won't call anybody out but it's just an amazing this is this is just how the world is today and that this kid messaged me and said that he didn't think he would be able to take photos at night with a crop sensor camera and i'm like what where where who who first of all who told you that yeah, and like, second where of are you all, getting your information not here where, where, rated raw is not giving you can't make crop sensors at night pictures because i've done it seven yeah years, like up. i've done it i shot on a crop sensor for years and there's still people that shoot you know the like the ford and porsche photographer in north america shoots on crop sensor cameras where is this where is this information coming from? I want to know because it's not only flat out wrong, it's just stupid because you can shoot night pictures on anything. It might get a little grainier, but like then you shoot slower, shoot slower exactly. pans, set up a tripod, do something different, shoot on a 50mm 1.4. You know, whatever it is that lets more light in like find where, the one light where, on the track and go there yes yes figure out how what equipment you have and work it to the best of your ability and quit bitching about i don't have the latest and greatest i'm not going to be able to make the pictures that you can with your your equipment like fine i will trade you my equipment for yours for a weekend not really but i would if i wasn't working i would genuinely take somebody <laughs> up on that trade and say all right I'll take your beat ass like Nikon D80 with a kit lens and and let me have at it because I can promise you if I if I can if I can stop and and enjoy shooting a race and not be like flat out balls to the wall busy. Yeah. It's not that I'm going to kick your ass. I'm just going to make some pictures that aren't going to suck because I know how photography works. I know how light works. I know how, you know, motion and shutter speed and aperture and ISO, all those things combined together to make a well-exposed picture and I'm going to be able to do it with any equipment you give me because I, this is what I do for a living. Well, also what we teach in our workshop is you got to be smarter than the camera in your hand. You can't like go to a shoot and let the gear that you have run your show. Like that's just the number one (laughs) thing. And it's, it does happen sometimes where you get, Oh my God, it happens all the time. I made it a point to be able to use every piece of gear, whether it's Nikon, Canon, Sony, I can pick up a camera and go shoot and I don't have to feel like, but I just use those opportunities I've had with testing stuff to familiarize myself with that. So if I ever get in a situation where a company's like, Hey, uh, you know, you can come work for us, but we're only Nikon. Well, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I can't shoot for six months because I've never used a Nikon. Yeah. You need to learn ISO aperture. Because it's the same on all camera brands. It doesn't matter. Exposure triangle is what it is. You need to learn how light interacts with different things, whether it's highlights reflecting off water, how white filters through things. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So it's something that you have to take time and practice. Like the one thing I learned from like the little brief photography school that I did, like the eight weeks 
was this guy he rolls into the, the class and it was the second semester the first week and I, that's about the end of it for me but he said this thing and i was like this guy is a fucking lunatic he's like you need to see how like specular highlights hit here and how the lights fall off the mountains and this and just when you're driving you see quality of light everywhere and know how to expose that and i was like this guy is high as fuck dude he was a good photographer too he was really good at printing but i was like he doesn't know shit. And then all of a sudden, once you do take pictures every day and you just muscle memory repetition over and over and over and you see how light falls and then you can look and see how light in, say, like coming from outside into a room and the fall off there. And when you get to that level, because you've practiced, because you've put the hours in, you can make pictures with anything. You can see yep. the light, lighting situation go, okay, I need to do this. It's this exposure. The camera yeah, what, is going to read it as... What's the old saying is it takes 10,000 hours to to become an expert at anything. It takes more than 10,000 frames, Jamie. It certainly does. But I blasted past that 10,000 frames this past weekend. I'm still way under the 10,000 hours. Maybe not. I don't know. But I've definitely put in my 24 this past weekend. So I'm a little bit closer to becoming an expert. (laughs) I think we got to give you more than 10,000 hours because you're pulling these 24 hour things. Yeah, I'm still, but that's the, truly, I'm still learning every single time I go out, I I learn something about photography, about shooting, about exposures and how I can do something a little bit different or expose it a little bit different and seeing how the camera and knowing, knowing like what I'm shooting and how I could then edit that because I don't push, I don't push my edits really hard, but you can like, I mean, you, you I, I shoot raw. Do you shoot to edit sometimes, like going into a situation sometimes. like, you know, it's backlit. I want to go a little under to keep sky yes. definition. And then so, I, can, I know I can pull out 20%. Yes. So like there was a point during the, the race this past weekend, it was about 6 a.m. or so. And I'd been awake for 23 and a half hours and it had been raining for the last like hour. And I was out at this part of the track where the cars go back onto the banking into into NASCAR turn three. And it's it's not like it's raining really hard, but there's this one there's one grand the one light that's shining onto the track, and it's not super bright, but it's basically casting a shadow on the wall, and the wall has Rolex branding on it, and I don't generally like shooting with like advertising banners visible. But somebody DM'd you. No, Rolex. no. So so I, I'm just shooting it like. I think that this is going to look good when I edit it. I'm going to underexpose it and then be able to pull the highlights and then drop the shadows to to see to be what it would looks like to my eye right now. And I shot it and it looked cool. I mean, I wish I'd done more of it, but I didn't. Like I shot 10 minutes maybe and that was and I got probably 6 or 7 cars and and the picture looked pretty cool, but I definitely shot it be, to edit it because I knew that as it came out of the camera, it wasn't quite going to be enough, but I needed, yeah. I would need to pull like the highlights a little bit and maybe like overexpose it and then underexpose it again, if that makes sense. Like drop, really drop the shadows and in, in places. But yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely do shoot to edit occasionally, but I don't put a, a hard edit on anything. Like, I don't know what the new fad is with like throwing a, a massive fade filter on everything where it's that's just seems to be what everybody does especially in the automotive world these days and that's not really me that's not really my style but i do i mean everybody edits pictures so do you when you're editing do you 
use like a preset? Like do you have a list of presets that you've created in your adjustments and you kind of go to those or do you treat every image as like a unique individual flower that you want to just make <laughs> this beautiful image blossom on your every, screen? Every single image is a, is a unique flower. I That's have, I have presets, but it doesn't really, it's not, not every picture is the same. Like you just, I've tried doing presets before and, and you know, power to the people that can sell, um, presets for money. <laughs> like I just, I feel like if, I mean, I've been asked to sell presets before Same. and it's like, just, just crank the contrast and like, you know, overexpose a little bit, but like bring it like it's punch. My pictures are a little contrastier than most, but that's how I see the world. I see the world in light and light and shadows and, um, highlights and, and dark areas. That's just how I see the world. Same. I just, that's why we're brothers from another mother. I know. I just, every, every image is unique. Like the only time I'll do things is like batching. If it's like in a certain light, like from a race, like if they're coming down the stretch and the lighting condition is the same for 15 exposures, whatever I'm going to do, I'll pre batch them. But each thing gets its own unique touch. Yep. Hey, back so to anyway, here. It, yep, you shot here. in the rain, you shot in the rain here and we saw a workshop back in November and like the day one, it's just torrential downpour. And these students had to like basically get thrown into the absolute worst conditions, which was the best thing because you, ha you learn a, you got to shoot through difficult things, which is like covering the camera, dealing with all the rain gear. Also you're learning exposure because the light is so challenging, right? It's dark. You have water impeding focus, all this. Then you know, when they got done with that and they learned exposure triangles, shutter speed, slow drags, aperture, when the lighting conditions got better and better, they got exponentially better. You can see it was like taking the donut off the bat and they were just swinging the bat crazy good. But shooting in rain, like how do you feel about keeping gear covered? Like you use your Nikon guy. Is it weather sealed good? Are you worried about your gear getting absolutely destroyed? Because I know at during Triple Crown season, there are a lot of people that were like, my gear got fried or I was so worried about like getting my camera soaked that it makes it difficult to make pictures. Like what are your little, little tricks? I have a friend of mine that shoots Sony and, um, he said that his isn't very w well water sealed, but in general, the Nikons are pretty well water sealed. Um, I did have problems with a couple of my lenses, but you know, you stand out in the rain for 10 hours and you're going to have problems. Like I might as well have thrown it in the lake and just said, you know, sink or swim. I mean, it was it was torrential rain, just like you said at your workshop, and that's really when the pros separate from the Joes because we don't. I'm not staying up for 24 hours, or actually, it ended up being 38 and a half hours that I was awake. I'm not staying awake for 38 and a half hours because I want to. I'm staying awake for 38 and a half hours because I have to, and I'm shooting in the rain because I have to. I don't have. I have clients that are asking me to cover the race in full like and that means from start to finish no matter what happens come rain snow sleet thunder heat all of those things you know whatever happens they need pictures of it so i'm as soon as it starts raining i'm making a beeline for the coolest place on track to get like spray shots where because yeah. not every place is the same spot but I, you know i'm i've got my i used aquatech um rain covers I'm not sponsored by Aquatech. That's just what I use. I love them. I love their rain covers. Um, so, you know, the the rain covers are, are just a piece of equipment that I always have with me. Um, 
and and it's an important piece of equipment but at the same time you know i i saw a couple people on instagram this week saying you know i wish the rain hadn't ruined the chance to make cool pictures on sunday and i'm like what like i'm confused what were we shooting the same race because you add rain to anything and it makes everything exponentially cooler Dude, Kentucky so. Derby this year, the pictures were unreal because it was raining and there's like water splashing on the track, rain pouring down. It never happened. And it's like in light. It looked so dramatic. Wait, it makes, it was, every, it it makes everything so cooler. So hey, but when you miss me, stuff in the rain, laugh. if you miss pictures in the rain, like say the remotes don't work or other stuff happens, it's got to be so fucking miserable. You got to just yeah. hate life. Like, yeah, it but sucks. it makes the good pictures so much better so it much makes, more dramatic. it makes you work for it and it's miserable standing there actually shooting those pictures yep but afterward when you're sitting there editing and you see like reflections and water just draining off the cars and the cool Specular rooster highlights. tails that they're throwing up and the slop at a horse race and the the mud covering the jockeys faces it makes it all 100% worth it to stand out there and it just makes me laugh that a lot of these kids that they want they they message me and they message you and they message everybody that I know that does this professionally it's like how do I get clients how do I shoot races how do I do this that and the other it's like well if you're at a race and you're shooting as a fan and you want to know what it's like to be a pro you keep your ass out in the rain and you keep shooting. Like you don't go inside. You don't get to go have a beer and a hot dog and like, you know, chill inside and get warm. You keep working because that's what your clients are going to expect. And it separates you from the pack because all, all of the people that aren't really needing to be there, they're going to disappear. They're just yep. going to disappear inside and you're not going to see them again until the rain stops. And that's just how it goes. And if you want to be a pro, you need to figure out how to how to weather any condition and i'll give you the biggest secret buy a bunch of trash bags and stick them in your pocket because they work just as well as any 150 dollars yes. rain cover like what what do you cover your remotes with on race day like if it's going to rain uh, what do you cover your remotes with garbage bags but i just got bougie and just bought think tank rain the emergency rain covers but, and they don't sponsor the, me or pay me either but these things are fucking awesome like they're going to be killer but trash me. bags trash bags work just as well as anything else so Every, that's all we used ever like it's it's just another one of those things that like people they use it as a gear crutch it's like well i don't have rain covers like i don't have the 150 dollars rain cover it's like go to the vendor that's next to where you're parked and ask them for a trash bag because that's the very first race that I ever shot was in um, – well, the first sports car race I ever shot was in mid-Ohio in Danville, Ohio. And it was a beautiful day. It was hot and humid and sunny. And what happens when it's hot and humid and sunny, the clouds roll in and it just starts like get building and building and building. And all of a sudden it's just dumping where the raindrops are like this big. They're huge. And I saw this rainstorm coming. I went to the, the hot dog vendor that's, you know, 100 yards away. I walk in there and say, hey, do you have a trash bag I can borrow? They're like, yeah, here's a trash bag. I whip my belt off, wrap it around my 500, and I have it's the a best. Cover. The, it's a rain cover. It's the best rain. I'm soaking wet, but I don't care if I'm soaking wet. It's an hour and a half race. Nobody it's cares. It's hot. Yeah. It's Yeah, I'm not, like, going to get 
hypothermia, not in Daytona, Florida or Ohio or wherever I am. I'm not going to get hypothermia unless it's really cold and I'm out there for a really long time. Just get a bunch of trash bags, pull your belt off or like keep a bunch of rubber bands around. Problem solved. Dude, when I do the remotes in the rain and I learned from Derby because it was just so disastrous. When we went to Preakness and it was the same conditions, just pouring rain again when we're setting up and everything. I did the jockey mentality. I double and triple layered rain gear. I had rain pants on the bottom. I had a shitty pair of frog togs that were going to rip that I had over the rain pants. I had double rain jackets on because it was cold. And then I had a garbage bag poncho that I made that I slit holes in. Ghetto Gore-Tex. And laid in the thing until it got so disgusting, I ripped the plastic off. Then I yep. had another level of rain gear. When that got disgusting, and th- by the time I had the race, off, I was dry. Also, the saran wrap trick that they put on the goggles. Yep. If you're going to go out with a lens, say you're taking, like at Derby, I did this. You take the 70 to 200. I'm not shooting that for the race. That is like after the race, post stuff. I'm going to keep it covered up as well as I can. Wrap the lens with saran wrap so you don't get water in the hood. And then when it's time to go shoot that lens and you need that shot, Rip it off, even if it's pouring. Maybe you get 45 pictures, 30 pictures out of it. It's better than trying to sit there and go, oh, it's got water on it. Oh, I got to dry it off. Oh, I've smudged it. Oh, the ho- now you've missed your picture. Like, yep. you got to be prepared. You got to think. It's. I love the rain and the challenges of the rain because I feel like I'm more prepared and it's going to give me an opportunity to separate. We all have the same camera gear. We all have the same exposures. We all have the same and eyes. All, the, have the same all the weather. action's happening, the same weather. But like... It's the attitude. It's the mindset. It's like, I know going in, I, this happened for me at Derby this year. It was, I'm standing out the rain. The remotes are shorting. It's fucking miserable. I'm hating my life. And I look up and I'm just like, it's never going to stop raining. And I think I'm like, dude, remember how miserable you were sitting at a desk, nine to five corporate life, just soul crushing. And then I was like, yeah. And I was like, I fucking love this. Like there's nowhere else I'd rather be in. It's like the fifth race. And I just changed my mindset and it was the best shoot I've ever had. And I think it was partly because that, like it reminded me of like bull Durham when they make the rain out and they're running and they dive through the slop and they're yeah. just head first and having the best time. And I was like, I'm going to have the best fucking time out here and I'm going to go make pictures. And it totally happened and it translated. And I do think and it made, mindset and it made for awesome in shoot. pictures and your pictures were sick. I'll t- oh, yeah. They weren't award winning sick, but they were pretty nice. They should have been award-winning. Um, the, and so just another side comment. The uh, swearing on this show is why we have it called Rated Raw. <laughs> I'm lit today. I was fired up when we started about these other photographers. I've dropped like at least so, three so Alex, Alex, what uh, lens hoods do you use to really to really elevate yourself over the competition? Um, I've been using the uh, the Canon ET eighty one for the eighty five one four, and it's brilliant. It keeps it the flare out. It costs dollars too, doesn't it? Uh, a no lie, when I get this stuff from Canon, I look at the invoices because they itemize everything, including the lens yeah. hoods. Like when I got the eight hundred for Belmont, the lens hood was like two hundred and ninety eight dollars or something it's like that. I was like, <laughs> no, it's made out of just gold, dude. Oh. Worth more than my life. It's, it's unicorn semen. <laughs> That's um, offside. That's rated raw right there, bud. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so something that you and I both have a lot of experience with is protecting our images. So because that was one of the things when I when I queried my my fan base um, asking for, like, what do they want us to to yammer on about? A lot of people asked, you know, how how do you protect your images? Um, how do you like go about you know 
chasing people that have used your images, you know, against your against your will or illegally. Um, so give us. I mean, I, I know there's there's some NDAs that we've both signed that we can't really talk specifics, but we can kind of give generalities. So you know, kind of walk us through a little bit of how you protect your images and and some of your experiences you've had. So. This is maybe five or six years ago, four or five years ago. I can't remember how long ago now, but around that time frame, we decided we were going to start like legitimately like pursuing and protecting the copyrighted images because things were just getting ripped off at a rampant pace. And like you would see like a big race happen, a triple crown race, and then you go on eBay 35 minutes after the race and they would screen grab pictures off clients' websites that would like rush to put the work out. And then they would be selling four by sixes with fake autographs like 10 seconds after the race. And so we decided that we were going to invest a little money in a company that managed copyright. And so we used them for, for a little bit and actually saw the value in protecting your copyright. And it's not that you're using it as like a line of this is my income. I'm just going to go after people. And like you're trying to bait and cause nefarious business. It's not like that at all. It's you're out there working for a living. This is your livelihood. It can't be free. Like if a big brand wants to use a photo and they have, have a ton of money, it. they pay for it. It's just, it's, they don't, you don't expect a write a copywriter to write an ad for you and you don't pay the copywriter because words are free. Like, so it's one of those things where you really have to do it. And I think if you want to be in the business for the long run, it's something you really, really need to look at. If it costs a little money to do and it takes a little bit of time and energy to manage, it's absolutely worth it on the back end. Totally. I, I agree with that in every single sense of the word. Um, I, I too have had some issues in the past where, again, I can't like talk about specifics, but with people that like, especially big automotive brands or companies that then just steal pictures, they know better. Like, you know, they, they know that they're trying to circumvent the system. It's it's the age of the internet where you can go on Google and you can search yes. uh, American Pharaoh or Ferrari Formula One or Lamborghini or whatever it is, and you're gonna get like you know a hundred thousand pictures, and some of them are gonna be really good, and some of them are gonna be really bad, and some of them are gonna be high res because for some reason they've ended up on a website that 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 has them available in enough of a resolution. I mean, you can print a four by six or a five by seven or an eight by 10 with not that many pixels. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be, you know, like a 26 megapixel image to, to print it nice and big. So I had an image right click saved after I did an event by a large automotive company. And I, I tried calling, I tried emailing. I said, Hey, you've used this without my permission you know, I'm I'm sending over an invoice. I never heard anything back. I called and emailed again. I never heard anything back. Like three weeks goes by, and I I said, listen, this is big enough that I need to get a lawyer involved. So I got a copyright and intellectual property lawyer yep. involved, and it was the best thing I ever did because a I won. I mean, it's a slam dunk. Like most of the time they really have no ground to stand on when there's an image that's just been ripped from somewhere and they are profiting off of it and putting it on the internet or putting it in advertising. You can't, they can't get away with that. They think that they can, but 
it takes photographers standing up for ourselves and standing up for our work and saying, no, you can't have this for free. You can't just steal an image off of Google or Instagram or whatever it is and just use it for your own benefit without, without paying me. And what it basically came down to was I got a sum of money that's north of $10,000 and legal fees covered because this company used my picture without, without even asking. They just right click saved it. And again, we're not, I'm not like doing this to, to say, look how much money I make. Like this is, this is something that every photographer should be doing. If, and that's kind of the problem is, is a lot of people would say, Oh, cool. Um, Ferrari or Lamborghini or, or Coca-Cola or, or Pepsi or whoever that big name brand is. Oh, oh, cool. They've used my picture. Like, isn't that neat? Look, mom, you know, I'm, I'm a published photographer and you just dropped the bottom out of the market for something that that company should have paid for. And you know that they should have paid for it, but you're okay with them not paying for it because either you got credit for it, like credit and or exposure or whatever it is instead of money and they've used it in a global ad campaign and it should have been something that was worth you know 15 20 grand to to license yeah. it's crazy that a lot of people just let these companies get away with it and i'm i'm not like uh just gonna go around suing everybody that no that you can't picture you can't. I, I don't have enough time in my day. Well, but you also can use it as a platform. Like we talk about this in the going after the value. Now, a, a massive automotive brand has the economics to afford to buy the picture. You can go after them for the value of the copyright, which the max value if you go to court in America is one hundred fifty thousand for a knockoff image. So if you're out there swiping pictures for a brand you're on Instagram and you think it's not a big deal and you're advertising for magazines and this, that, the other and advertising products and you're stealing images, just know that if it does go to court and things fall that way, whatever, it could be 150 K that your and business your is on the line for <laughs> because it's just simple image rights. Like it's, you wouldn't go to a dentist or a doctor and be like, Hey, do all this work and then go, mm, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. And just like, no, you're not paying for it. Or you just go, hey, test drive a car and go, yeah, this is a sick Beamer. I'm just thinking I'm, I'm going to keep I'm it. I'm just going to drive like, it. Get out, get out of the back real quick. I'll just keep this for a couple months here. Yeah, like in any other capacity. And I think people, because of the social media. photographers. No, it's just people don't value images right now. Like yeah. I can't wait. And I think it's going to happen because I'll probably be the guy who fucking creates it. But when you bring blockchain into image rights licensing for social media and say you have to have a validation token for every image you use, right? So if you own the copyright, yep. yes, I can prove it. It's mine. I have unlimited rights to post my copywritten content that I own. But if a brand wants to post my pictures, they have to have the license for me and they have to buy that license and put it into a system. The economics for artists and creatives would change dramatically because these brands that get away with copying and screen grabbing and right-click saving and reposting – pictures and then you go and you're making ads and you're selling tickets and you're doing all this on the back end of it and you think it's free and it's cool it's not like it's, well and and the other problem is when you have photographers that don't see the problem in it and don't see the they they're like i'm i'm an amateur i, I don't do this professionally why i don't need to go after the money like it doesn't matter to me 
that's the problem is because if you ever want to do this professionally or you ever want a side income, even if you're not like a full-time pro, you know, make an extra 10 grand a year. Isn't that hard to do in photography? No, that's, and, that's about what I was doing when I was, you know, 10, ten eight, 10 years. Who, who's going to say? It, it wasn't making very much money when I was splitting, splitting work and the photography on the side. But who's going to say no to an extra 10 grand a year? Even if you're making, even if you're making like, 600 grand a year 10 grand a year is like just throw that in the bank and you're gonna be fine like you put in your take go on a nice ass vacation every camera no one no yeah it's it's a camera and a sick ass lens you know every single year you do that for 10 years and that's a hundred grand that you've made and a lot of it is untaxable like you know i hate the government i hate the way they treat photographers i hate the way they tax us i hate the way they tax unemployed people and a lot of the time you know we're being paid cash in hand under the table and it can never be proven one way or the other and and i'm not admitting that i'm the person that's doing this but you know the guy i know i'm asking for a friend jamie <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a friend <laughs> jamie can you send me your tax guy please because i'm gonna get absolutely <laughs> reamed this year <laughs> same i need i need like right off oh, it's gonna but, hurt so the man. government the government just screws photographers they screw people that are self-employed but if you if you have an extra it's like babysitting money like you you shoot 20 friends and their families like at 400 bucks a pop that's 10 grand or 500 bucks a pop that's 10 grand so it's so it's so easy to make extra money and as a photographer if you don't stand up for your rights to protect your images you're doing yourself a disfavor you're doing alex a disfavor you're doing me a disfavor and you're doing everybody that does this for a living a disfavor and everybody that does this potentially like down the road they want to do it for a living because you're you're dropping the bottom out of a market and it's the same in horse racing and it's the same in car racing people will come in and they'll say i want to do this i'll shoot this team for you know 200 bucks per weekend and it's like what dude oh i would i mean we we might have to get into this on pricing we're gonna but we're gonna we're gonna hit this. In the we're next gonna episode. hit that the next episode because like now you're getting me fired up. And I've got some unbelievable stories about pricing and, and losing jobs and stuff like that. But it's just it's frustrating. The business of photography is you have your your ability to make art, so your health and and that you have your gear, and then you have the images you make and your archive, and that's what you have as a photography business essentially. So. I mean, this is a difference too between work for hire agreements, which maybe we can get into on pricing as well, and owning your own copyright. Because that's another thing. Like, if you work for Getty Images, and there's that shot that I think it was, uh, what's his name? Richard Lamb, probably getting the name wrong. Vancouver Olympics with a couple yep. kissing. Yep. And he walks out after shooting the hockey game, and they're kissing. He shoots this photo. It goes viral all over the world. He's on a work for hire agreement. You get your day rate, and Getty Not Images it. owns your copyright. So... <laughs> You make X amount of dollars for the day. I don't know what his day rate is. It's not my job to speculate. Whatever it is, he gives up the copyright to Getty Images for that day rate and maybe benefits. I don't know if he's a staffer or not. And that's it. So he makes that viral image, doesn't own the copyright. He he specifically can't license that photo. He can't sell it. They took care of him, from my understanding, from people around it. Like They paid him and did some speaking fees and helped out with some stuff, which is very awesome. But... If you're on a work for hire agreement, you don't own the copyright. So then you don't have to worry about copyright protection, but you don't also reap the benefit of back end economics on the work that you own. 
Yep. It's a we will tough... we will tackle this in the next episode of Rated Raw. I think I think we covered some fuego topics, bud. I think we got it was lit. It was lit. We got rid of the legend, but we also brought in the F word a couple times. So maybe next episode we'll drop like 15 F bombs and then we'll get rid of cussing and we'll start a new word. I don't know what it's going to be after that. We'll have to find out. All right, guys. Until next time, follow him at Jamie Price Photo on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media channels. I'm at A underscore Evers. See you again. Wah, 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 wah.